Good evening, brothers and sisters. Um, we had a beautiful time of worship, though I couldn't stay for the entire thing. I came in a little late. But from the worship onwards, uh, we'll get into the small reflection, a small um, clip that takes us further into today's topic on sonship. But sonship is two sides, the father the, from the top, and then the son. We are here. Okay, as many of you may be wondering, uh, I'm a lady, what, what son is he talking about? There'll be more clarity to this terminology, why we use the word son for both male and female, irrespective. We'll watch this clipping and then we'll get into uh, the session today. you are about to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop 
doing good to you. You are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul. And I want to show you unique and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me, and nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love, your dad. Almighty God. I'm sure that uh, reflection spoke volumes to us. Some of us, it's for the first time we're getting to know the Father heart of God, the love that God has, the, the abundant love that he's revealed to us through his son, through the scripture, through the church, through our parents, through the resource materials that we have uh, come across in our lives. Maybe this evening, for some of us, a scripture or two would have just sprung forth and touched our hearts or touched our mind, our understanding of how marvelous and wonderful this father is whom we are talking about. And there, he calls us his children. I don't know how many of you have heard about this uh, lady uh, called Bilkis Sheikh from Pakistan. And when she was led, when she was going through her depression, a nurse led her to the Lord. And that was then she wrote how 
her life was touched and the title of the book was I dared to call him father dear brothers and sisters it so happened in my own life um i had a similar kind of an experience i was talking to a friend of mine who is not too close an acquaintance and he told me that he was married for almost 7 years and he didn't have any children and i said have you prayed to jesus he will bless you and one thing led to another and he said uh, but i'm not a christian i said doesn't matter then he said why do you all pray to jesus then i had to tell him why we pray and then he went on and he took the upper hand at one point for almost one and a half hour he spoke to me about his faith he kept telling things that sounded like uh, straight out of the fairy tale uh, stories i listened and i listened after almost one and a half hour he says i think you are convinced about my faith you should be with us you should come and to worship with us and i looked up at him with a smile and said why would a son become a slave all that he did for one and a half hour it was like just you know scattered spilt on the floor and he said what are you talking about i said i'm a son of the same creator whom you are trying to give me a picture of and i am an heir to the kingdom whereas you say you are submissive to him he's a master and you're a slave why would a son become slave and he said how can god almighty have children you know how can he have a spouse how can he have a children i said what do you call this god is he the god of the impossible he said yes is there anything god cannot do he said yes he can do anything i said yes that same god took the form of man and came to reach out to us he didn't know all his one and a half hour of sermon just went like a whisper in the wind he didn't know what to do today i tell you my dear brothers and sisters this is the reality that you and i live this is our heritage this is the biggest blessing that god has given us compared to anything else i always tell people when i talk to them what is the biggest what is that one thing you want to thank your parents and many will say about my oh i thank them because of them i'm alive i'm here on this earth they gave me education all this and i ask which is the best day of your life and they'll talk about some achievement they've had and then it'll come to my turn and they'll ask me okay what is it you asked as a question and i'll say the best day of my life is the day my parents brought me to the church and gave me to the lord and received me in return in a sacrament called baptism hallelujah today we can talk about sonship we can talk about great theological aspects of it but if we do not touch on baptism we are touching nothing else because there is a truth there is a reality there are things god has already done for us okay our god is someone who always prepares you take any aspect of your life he has already prepared it for you there are things that you have not worked for yourself he has done it already for you 
Did you choose your parents? Did you choose where you needed to be born? Nothing. Everything was planned. Everything has a purpose. He planned this church for you. He planted you in this church. The Lord planned a savior for us even before we asked him. The Lord gave us his mother on the cross. We didn't ask him. The Lord planned to give himself to us in a beautiful way just before the day he was crucified. He gave himself to us in the Eucharist. The Lord prepared us and gave us his Holy Spirit. We never asked the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Did anyone here ask for it? In baptism, that's the first gift God, first gift God gives us. And that gift is God in the person of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Later on, you know, when we go through scriptures, you know, we read, you know, the text where Jesus says, ask the Father and he will give you the Holy Spirit. Yes, that is for those who had not received Holy Spirit at that time. We never asked him for a Pentecost. He gave the Pentecost and that we live in a Pentecostal experience. Today, if we are going to talk about life in the Spirit, we need to know if we don't go to baptism, there's no life in the Spirit because the Spirit was given to us at baptism. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, reference 1213, holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life. Without baptism, you can just start without a foundation. There's nothing else. That's the doorway to all other sacraments. But in baptism, there's something that, that happens. Not only is our sin washed away, we are born again. We are reborn as sons and daughters of God. Now, why do I say sons and daughters? And previously I said sons of God. In the Hebrew culture, it was the son who inherited, not the daughters. All that the master owned was given to the son. He was the heir. And that is why Paul uses that speech calling everyone the sons. The sons include the daughters. Because if you are going to be an heir, if, which we already are, it has to be in the sonship and not outside that. Sometimes we also wonder when we go and read Revelation, you know, Jesus calls himself the You heard of the bride and the bridegroom? What is he? Bridegroom, right? Is he your bridegroom? Who's the bride? The church, which means all of us. Please don't try imagining seeing the brothers over here in a gown. Okay? We would feel even worse to even think of something like that because that's what a bride is all. Yes or no? So if you, if you look at that way in a gender-specific way, it doesn't make sense. But all of us are, yes, the entire church is the bride of Christ. And not only is that, in baptism, we become a new creature. Do you remember the song, I am a new creation? That happens at baptism. That actually happens at baptism where we become a new creature and we go on 
renewing that every time we come to the Lord, every time we renew our lives. And that's when we become new creatures. It's not that when you come to the renewal or when you come and, you know, uh, uh, come for an altar call. It doesn't happen there. It is a conscious effort. Yes, we give our life to the Lord, but it all happens. The Lord has already prepared everything for us in baptism. The 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, what does the Lord prepare for us? A mansion. Did we ask him for it? It's already prepared for us. So the Lord, you know, every step, every age, every stage, he already makes things ready for us to just walk into. And same thing happens about the sonship. Sonship, where we are reborn as sons of God. But we have to profess the faith before men, not only because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we are also co-heirs with Christ. Now, I'm going to leave all these technicalities because this is the reality. If we get into these realities, then you'll say, oh, this is quite technical. We're speaking about the catechism and things like that. Now, let's get to uh, th the next slide, please. Okay? When you s talk about sonship, we look at the 8th chapter, the 15th verse of Romans, saying, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Let's keep that word adoption in mind here. Because the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, calling God as Abba, Father. Nobody else calls him as Father. And here, not only just Father, it's a personalized term, Abba, Hebrew. It's, it's something very close, something that you would call probably in the English translation, Daddy. But it's much more than that. It's sacred, it's very sensitive, it's very emotional, because we don't use that so often, even in our liturgy. It's very rare we use the word Abba. Yeah? Now, I, I already mentioned about baptism, and here's where we have already received the Spirit of God. Now, there are certain things foreshadowed in the Old Testament which I have shared in this very place. When I shared about the Eucharist, we spoke about Melchizedek. You remember? Okay, where he brings the offering. We spoke about the Passover. The Passover lamb was slaughtered. The blood was smeared on the post and the lamb was roasted and eaten. It has to be consumed. You remember the manna that fell down from the heavens? Manna means? Manna means? Manna simply means in Hindi, ye kya hai? What is this? Because it kept coming from above. That's a literal translation. It's not bread. What is this? Because they've never seen anything before. And then we saw how the Lord beautifully instituted this whole thing before the night he was betrayed, and which we celebrate till today. Now, if we go again to another foreshadowing of the Old Testament, we see Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant, okay? The old Ark of the Covenant contained what? The tablets, that was the word of God, the pot of manna, the bread, and there was the Aaron staff, which sprouted. Remember that? 
it sprouted okay re-sprouted actually now if you look at mary the ark of the new covenant the three things are contained within for her the word jesus the word who became flesh there it was written on tablet here the word becomes flesh second the staff is here again he's the ruler he's the rod the rod which re-sprouted to life he's the authority next he's not just the manna he's the bread of life and mary contained these three beautiful aspects in her womb that is why she's called the ark of the covenant some of us those of us who pray the litany ark of the covenant and that is why she's known as the vessel of honor you've heard of the title mary vessel of now this is the way the old testament a lot of things if you go back we need to go there in second timothy chapter 3 verse 16 it says all scripture is inspired all scripture which means right from genesis to revelation it's inspired the holy spirit is the author again over there and everything is prepared for us so that we don't find something and say manna what is this because everything is prepared for us and foreshadowed so that we understand when we go there how many of us i i'm sure i will i have not yet come across one person who says my favorite book in the bible is leviticus anybody who's read leviticus and says i love leviticus no but it's in that book if you read you will understand the sacrifice of christ the lamb that was slain the slaughter the blood the sprinkling of the blood in the holy sanctuary everything but we find it very gory you know it, it's something very like you wouldn't want to you know it's a nice beautiful story from genesis and exodus and when you come to leviticus oh my let me turn and then comes your numbers and deuteronomy the first five very important books so one who studies should have the whole thing together which speaks volumes about what we are doing right now in our liturgy in our day to day living let's turn to exodus chapter 2 we'll go to one of the foreshadowing of what the sonship is all about exodus chapter 2 from 1 onwards 1 to probably 9 yeah about this time a man and woman from the tribe of levi got married The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for 3 months. But when she could no longer hide him, you know why? There was a persecution there. When she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it along the reeds along the bank of the river Nile. the baby's sister we know what's her name miriam then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him soon pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank when the princess saw the basket among the reeds 
she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw a baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Very smart, huh? Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother, self-nurse. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took the baby home and nursed him. Now pay attention. Tenth verse. Later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her very own son. Now you see that there was a big divide between the Egyptians and the Hebrews. But since she's adopted, she doesn't adopt him like one of the pets who would roam around in the palace. She adopts him as her very own son. We do not know whether she's married or not here at this point. But she adopts him and gives him the rightful place in her life, in, in that heritage, in that palace. Now, this is just not just some one lame scripture we have taken to showcase how it is. But adoption is that way. Today, the meaning of adoption is very, very different. Today, I'm childless, I will adopt. And when they adopt, they want to see whether the child looks like them, the child is, you know, pretty, the child is handsome. There are various factors. They want to even know the background from which the child has come, you know. Today, it is top to down, like I keep telling, you know. But let's turn it the other way around for today's evening's talk. Let's put ourselves at the bottom. We were orphans. We were orphans, but we have been adopted. By whom? None less than God. No one else but God the Father has adopted. We have two beautiful relationships in that, and I will come to that. Now, after this particular scripture of how the princess adopted, we'll go to another scripture. Turn to Esther chapter 2 with me. Esther chapter 2. In the sec fifth cha second chapter of Esther, let's come to verse number five. Five to seven, we'll read for now. At that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and a descendant of Kish and Shemai. His family had been among those who, with King Jehoiakim of Judah, had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Does anyone know the history behind this? Which book we also read this in? 
if you read the book of Daniel, the background to all this is there, how they were held captive and taken there. This man, Mordecai, had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin called Hadassah, who was also called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. You see that? Even in the generations past, people would always adopt as someone not for their security, not for social reasons, but to have someone online whom they could call an offspring. Offspring is someone that comes forth. But here, they receive someone as one of their very own. In that clipping we saw about the offspring, you know, how God beautifully, you know, through the text that we saw in that um, uh, video, talks about how much he's in love with us and how much he longs to gather us back to him and all the plans he's had for us in and through um, Christ Jesus. Now, if you look at Look at even the 15th verse. It says, Esther was the daughter of Abihel, who was Mordecai's uncle. And Mordecai had adopted his younger cousin Esther. A clear indication about adoption. Now, from adoption of taking someone into our very own, we look at a different way in which people were received. We'll go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Do you know whose story is there in 2 Samuel? Second Samuel, who's spoken of? The psalmist. David, yeah. Second Samuel, chapter 9. Okay, now here's the background to it. Saul tries to attack David and we know what all happened and after everything, there's a war and you know, the whole clan of King Saul is finished, totally gone. David sits one day and he talks to his people. You know what he says? One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Why? He's checking if there's anyone still alive. Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan. See, there's a beautiful term called showing kindness. Kindness to whom? Jonathan. Why? Jonathan was the son of his enemy, Saul, but he was his friend, good friend, because I want to see if there's anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servant. Are you Ziba? The king asked. Yes, sir, I am, Ziba answered. The king then asked him, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He's crippled in both his feet, which means he was totally handicapped, both feet. Where is he, the king asked, in Lo Debar. You know what's the meaning of Lo Debar? It means a place which is only filled with sand. You cannot grow anything. It was a desert. 
It was literally someone who was banished away, Lodebar. He says, yes, there is someone in Lodebar. At his home of Makir, son of Amel. So David sent for him and brought him from Makir's home. Okay? His name was Mephibosheth. Okay? Mephibosheth. And you know what Mephibosheth means? I'll come back to that. I'll tell you what it means. But for now, for easy pronunciation, please permit me to address him as Mephi, like the way we say Muffy and Miffy. Okay, like pets. So Miffy, he was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, Greetings, Mephi. And Mephi replied, I am your servant, Lord. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. Everything, whatever belonged to Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Now, someone who's been outcast, he was totally out, he was not even with the, the society, he brings him back. He says, I'm going to give you back everything. Sometimes you, you may be wondering, some of you, why are we going to this New Testament uh, scenario? But look at all the background to what is here that speaks about us as adopted sons. He says, I'm going to give you everything what Saul once had. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephi bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who's your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? You know, he's putting himself, he says, I'm of no use to anyone. I'm no use to anyone. I'm like a dead dog. But why is it that you're showing this kind of kindness? Then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, Look at this. I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. Now you see, that's like giving him someone like a caretaker. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him to produce food for your master's household. He's telling you, your children, go to the field that belongs to Saul, work over there and produce food for whom? Saul's grandson, whom we are now we are using the word? Mephi. Literally, he's making him a kind of a mini ruler, giving him all authority, and he's also giving people and saying, serve this man. Don't we have angels serving us? Hmm? Look at this. Now, you and your sons are to, you and your sons and servants are to farm the land for him, to produce food for your master's household. But Miffy, your master's grandson, will not eat elsewhere, but will eat here at my table. Now see, along with the master's grandson, you also have 15 sons and 20 servants there already in place. And he's not worried about that. He says, come, this table belongs to you. You, Acts, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your family. Ah, that is what it's all about. Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I'm your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. 
And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. Okay? Do we eat at the king's table? Yes, do we eat? We, the king has offered himself in the Eucharist for us, for us to consume him. But also, the king has prepared a banquet for us. Do you know why we go to heaven? What do we do in heaven? Apart from praise and worship, the Lamb's Supper, the banquet is prepared for us. See, God has prepared everything for us. There's hardly anything we need to do, only cooperate. Salvation. It's just that the Lord is reaching out his hand. All we need to do is say, Lord, here I am. I receive you, my Lord and my God. Now, brothers and sisters, we need to know here, we are touching on one word called adoption. But in this adoption, it is not just taking someone, the entire legality in all its process, the person becomes one with the family and an heir. And in many, many cultures, when they know that a man knows that his own children are not fit to inherit his property, he keeps a tab on smart people out. And he invites, in some cultures, they even buy a son who's a smart son who belongs to someone and brings in and through the process of adoption makes that person take over their heritage, makes that person run the family business or whatever is there. This has been there in most of the ancient cultures. And let's look at what this imagery that we see of David and the son of David, okay? Old Testament David, Jesus the son of David. The parallels in the story are quite striking, okay? We need to give attention to it. First of all, David took the initiative to invite. And in our adoption, the Lord takes the invitation. Come to me, all who are heavy tired and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's the one who invites. He's the one who takes an invitation saying, come to the Father's house. I'm preparing a place for you. David shows mercy to the one who was unworthy. Miphi was unworthy. But David shows mercy. And here who shows mercy to us? The Lord himself shows mercy on whom? On the evil, worthless, useless, spiritual outcast. Why do we use that term? Because in one of the reflections, the papal preacher, Father Raniero Cantalamessa, says, when people scream at the where Caesar was, you know what they screamed at Jesus? Crucify him, crucify him. He says, the voices that came out were not just the people over there. It was the voice of every sinner down the ages. You and I, as sinners, have voiced that out, saying, put him to the cross because of our sin. And you know what he does? He turns the other way around. He shows mercy to all the evil people. He shows, you know, he receives those who are worthless, those who are outcasts, into his family, into the kingdom, into the church, 
He gives a new meaning to our lives in adoption. And that adoption happens through the Holy Spirit. Now see, now David, he seeks those who not only are outcast, sinful, and other things, he's motivated by love for his friend. And here, Jesus uses the same terminology and he says, no longer do I call you slaves. I call you friends. Why that friends? See this, because in a fr it's only with friends that we can pour out our love. And that is why God so loves the world that he sends his son Jesus and out of that same love to draw us back to him. Hallelujah. Makes sense? Yeah? Now let's also look at how the Lord brings us to his table and gives us life. Not only just gives us life and peace, but an inheritance. When you say heirs and co-heirs, we are not just empty. But there's one thing. When you talk about the glory of God, it also talks about the cross. It also talks about what he went through. So nothing comes, you know, and that is there for our good. That's there for our benefit. When you go to Galatians chapter 4, 4 and 5, now if we have a reason to celebrate Christmas, here is one beautiful reason, one beautiful thought that we can just keep and take it into deep meditation with grateful hearts and with every Christmas carol we sing, every meaningful signs and symbols that we put across, this should be what it is all about. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Christmas is God coming to us in the person of Christ for this very purpose to say God comes in the form of man to take us sons of man to make us sons of God. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah? This is the beauty of our Christian faith, my dear brothers and sisters. Sometimes we are like too caught up. We look at only the negative aspect. Yes, we are sinners. Yes, we have been in sin. Sometimes when we look at our past, it's like a miserable movie that's running in the background. But for us, we are people of hope because we are not left there. God doesn't look at us that way. Yes, we are sinners in his sight, but beyond the sins, it's the blood of Jesus that gives us a new meaning there. And through him, we are adopted. When he looks at us, when God so loved the world that he sent his son Everything he sees now is through that lens of a son. He sees what his son has done for us. And when he looks at the redeemed, we are the redeemed. We are redeemed by Jesus. He doesn't look at us as worthless, sinful people alone. Yes, you and I, when you sit together, when you sit in your time of prayer, and when you recollect all the mess that we have gone through in our lives, we will feel like the scum of the earth, true. But it is there, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, 
cleanses us from all sin. Otherwise, the cross at Calvary makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. And we, forever we are caught up, and that feeling will give us guilt, pain, and shame. And we need to bring this good. At times, we need to know where we have messed up. But that is why the church has given us the beautiful redemptive sacrament, a sacrament through which we can come back to the church, come back to the Lord through the sacrament of reconciliation or confession. Try it once if you have, haven't for a long time. You see the feeling when you come out of a confession. It's not the same the way you go in. You go in with guilt and pain and shame. And when you come out, we are literally a new creature. We are like butterflies. Hallelujah. Now, when we say hallelujah, we, we have a purpose to say this hallelujah because we are praising God for all the great things he has done. Now, next we'll uh, look at one aspect of both the spirit of adoption. What is the spirit of adoption that we saw or that we need to look into? Like, um, Do you know one beautiful thing that happens in adoption? I wish to read it as it is because I don't want to lose the name. The adopted person not only gains, we are, I've been uh, ex uh, talking about gains, what all they gain. Let me just give you a little background on a Roman adoption, how it happened, because this is a letter written by Paul to the Romans in that context, in that background, okay? An adopted son was deliberately chosen by the adopting father to perpetuate the father's name and to inherit the father's estate. And that's the whole point of biblical adoption, that we become children of God by sovereign divine choice, his choice. We are the preferred choice of God. You and I sitting here, the baptized are the preferred choice of God. The adopted person lost all rights in his own family and gained all rights in his new family. The old is gone, the new has come. We see that? All that we have had of the past, you know, the miserable life or whatever was inherited because of our faults and failures is going away and the newness is coming as we walk in this light of the spirit as adopted sons of God. Secondly, the adopted person became full heir to his new father's estate, even if there were other sons, and if there were no sons, if no other sons were afterward born afterward into the family who were real blood relations, it didn't really affect. How many of us children he had? Once you are adopted, you are given that position, that remains in spite of whoever comes in. And that is why I think we should go and bring more sons and daughters into the kingdom. Amen? Okay, we need to evangelize because there's more place for everyone. If other sons were afterwards born in the family, there were no real blood relation. Okay, fine. Now, this adopted person was an inalienable identified heir. He's not some stranger. Thirdly, according to the Roman law, the old life of the adopted person, this is interesting, was completely wiped out. Okay, now say if I'm adopting a child, a person, and that person 
had a debt. He's owed so many, he owes a lot of money or whatever he's done in the past, say he's serving a prison sentence or anything that is there against him, everything was wiped out. There's no connection with the old person because he's totally into the new family. That's what happens to us. The enemy, the Satan will have no right over the sons of God provided we come and live with the king in his palace. It's only when we try to take a walk outside in the night, you know, when we grow, go out of our secured borders, that is when we get hit. The old debts, no, debts were not only cancelled, if he had any record of crime, it was abolished. They wiped out all the records and if the person, it was as if that person never ever existed before. It's totally new. The adopted person was regarded as a new person entering a new life with no past at all. Now does the word I am a new creature make sense? I am a new creation, no more in condemnation of my past. So that is called a born again experience. You can call it an experience because every time it's a conversion and that is why in the church we use a beautiful terminology called the renewal. The renewal, you know, we shed our old skin off. It's newness that keeps coming and that is what renewal is. So, in one sense, we are sons by adoption, okay? But before that, we are also sons by birth, baptism, okay? We are not only adopted, we are also sons, we are also, it's, it's like a two-way the Lord, he doesn't want to let us go, he doesn't want us to slip away. Now this adoption, once you are adopted, you are always adopted, you can, the Lord doesn't change his mind, but we can make a mistake, like the parable we see in the parable, uh, Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son, we can choose, because God has given us free will. Tomorrow we can choose and let go. There are many who have done this mistake of walking away from the father's house into the far country and never returned back. They never had the opportunity to come back or they never chose to come back. How does the Holy Spirit confirm our adoption? There are three ways. If you don't remember anything of this evening's talk, just remember these three things, okay? First thing, we are led by the Spirit. Which Spirit? Holy Spirit. This is adoption. So we say we are no more an orphan. Okay? Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His sons into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So in this adoption, first thing, we are led by the Spirit. Okay? Second, we are freed by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our sanctifier, yes? Okay? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hmm? We are told by the Spirit. You know what is told? Instructed. The Holy Spirit instructs us. He prompts us. Do we have, when we pray, do you remember that, you know, sometimes the Lord guides us. We say, I sense the Lord spoke about this to me. I sense the Lord led me to do this. I feel the Lord wants me to move on from here. What is this Lord and how is this prompting? It is all the work of the 
Holy Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. We are freed by the Spirit. We are instructed by the Spirit. And these are three basic ways in which the Holy Spirit confirms our adoption. Those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. If you turn it the other way around, those the Spirit leads are the sons of God. Today, my dear brothers and sisters, for us, the greatest thing we can do is just fall on our knees and thank the Lord when we get back home for raising us who were nothing into this esteem, honor of calling us his own sons, his own daughters, and giving us the crown, the crown of beauty, the crown of sonship. If you talk about ring on the finger, if you talk about the cloak on the shoulder, and what else? Sandals to the feet, here is something. The Lord who in the figure of the father restores the dignity of the son who went by, today the same father lifts us not only and say, come back, he says, come back to my heart. Because the heart of God is the heart of Jesus. And the heart of Jesus that's burning is the heart of God. What is the heart of God? L-O-V-E. That's what is. God is love. And with that love, he is leading us, guiding us, guarding us. The first mark of adopted sons of God is that they are led by the Spirit. Now, keep these points in mind. When the Spirit comes, you know, actually this could be a beautiful talk during the time of Pentecost. See what the Spirit does. If the Spirit of God has ever led you, he will lead you in the path of right living. Are you led by the Spirit? Yes, he will lead us only in the right path. If the Spirit of God has ever led you, He will lead you into understanding of the Scriptures. Sometimes you wonder where that you know, knowledge came and how, how something that you read, it, it came alive. Even you can call it Rima or some kind of revelation, some kind of an illumination. Because in Luke chapter 24, I think it's 45, when Jesus rises from the dead and He comes back, there's a sentence that I love the most. It says, and he opened their mind to understand the scriptures. The word who became flesh, the same word of God, opens our mind. And here, through the spirit at work. If the spirit of God has ever led you to love, he will led you to love the Lord our God. If you're able to love the God, if you're able to love the Lord, it is through the working of the Spirit. If you're able to honor Christ and give Him the highest place, it is because of the work of the Spirit. If you have ever fallen on your knees or you fall on your knees often, repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness, it is the work of the Spirit of God. If you are led to prayer, if you are led to intercede, if you are going on your knees and praying in tongues, you are praying for some reason, for some occasion, for somebody or for some uh, needs, it is the Holy Spirit which is at work. Romans 8.26 If you are led and you are prompted in your heart to worship God, it is the work of the Spirit. And 
these are just some of the indication that the spirit of god is at work in us why i read out all this is because not everybody goes through the whole bouquet of what we just heard maybe there's one maybe there's two maybe there's three of these things that has been at work in our lives now i would walk along with this and say if these are the parameters or these are the indicators that the spirit of god is working in me then who am i is a proof the lord is giving me the proof through the holy spirit that he is at work in me and that is why he says keep away from unclean things you know in second corinthians he says therefore come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them says the lord don't touch their filthy things and i will welcome you the second part of this verse is beautiful he says and i will be your father i will be your father not like a general big father i will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters says the lord almighty second corinthians chapter 6 17 and 18 if we spoke about the revelations that's again first corinthians 210 god gives us this, the revelation of all things through his holy spirit and if the holy spirit is the one who is leading us anything to do with guiding which is that beautiful verse in proverbs we say trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path who's directing your path this it's 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 for the directions for the sons of god who trust in the lord and even in psalm 25 verse 4 it says show me your ways o lord teach me your paths brothers and sisters this evening this prayer meeting will get over this thought may register or may be in the back of our minds but from here onwards we continue this journey that god has beautifully designed for us some of us walk through it some of us walk away from it for us to stick to it everybody wants to walk through it if this is show me your ways o lord teach me your paths it means the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the what is the third one that is why it's so primary to be in touch with the holy spirit to commune with him to have a fellowship with him and only those who are the children of god will have this thing the holy spirit sure does work amongst the non baptized also but here is something beautiful here is something special because once you are elevated as a son and daughter of god it is like the king a palace his people his commanders he's got a beautiful place now wherever the uh, king's uh, son or daughter goes do they go out like ordinary citizens they go out with all kinds of bodyguard they go up with all kinds of preparations happen there everything is taken care of and that's exactly what god has also prepared for us to call him that personal name that is used by jesus himself no he calls him abba father that's learning to live in the spirit of adoption today my dear brothers and sisters even as we go from here let's ponder on this one aspect that you and i are no ordinary creatures yes we are all created but from there god has lifted us up for me i'll tell you like you know these truths is what keeps me going on these are the beautiful truths revealed divine revelation of god 
through the scriptures through the church for our day to day living and if we live this if we take this and if we just place it in our heart as a gem that we are the adopted ones nothing can separate us i'm telling you when we walk into the church you will find there's always a holy water a bowl or you know a small tank why is that kept every time you enter the church it is not some something to sprinkle yourself with it will make you holy or it's not some protection for us to go out you remind yourself about your baptism you're baptized in the water and in the spirit spirit is dwelling within us so every time you touch water i don't know teaching some kids uh, years back that i i used to say whenever i have water the first water that hits my head i recount and recollect the words uh, that came from the father to his son at his baptism saying you are my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and these kids started doing it it seems in their hostel and then they came back and told me you know in the hostel before they have bath one will uh, try and tell the other one hey did you say that thing what brother told us you know and they would do the, the first water that hits their head they'll say they'll recollect their sonship to the father and say you are my father i am your child and they'll recount the words saying you are my beloved son in whom i am well pleased so as we leave today keep this thing in mind that we are the son and daughters but let's use the word son not because of gender specific we're going through many confusions in the news gender specific let's not get into it'll complicate further let's be sons because as sons through scriptures it's a new meaning called heirs to the kingdom amen let's bow our heads and thank the lord that he has called us out of darkness into his light out of slavery into his sonship out of being abandoned and orphaned away being cut off because of sin he sent his son to draw us back to him to give us a new meaning a new life a life in the spirit heavenly father almighty god we thank and praise you for this evening we thank you o father that through your son you adopted us by pouring your spirit and with the spirit o lord through the spirit of adoption you have drawn us back and given us a new dignity a new meaning in our life so father we want to thank you through your son jesus thank you o holy spirit thank you lord for this grace you have given us lord we ask of one thing that you remind us through your spirit to lead us into this truth that who we are in your sight matters a lot for us and that we will not give in to the world the flesh and the devil to determine and tell us who we are but rather in the spiritual realm you have uplifted us and given us a new dignity that we may walk with our head held high as sons and daughters and look at you and call you abba father our father thou art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil amen in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen thank you victor thank you so much for making us realize who we really are